This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 202, which is airing in mid-June of 2021. Today, Sarah is going to be interviewing Dr. Joan Dunlop, who's had a sort of nonlinear career path going through uh, different parts of medical training at different points, but we're looking forward to hearing about how she has made her life work. So stay tuned for that. So Sarah recently got back when we were recording this, she got back from a few days off, which had not happened in a great long time. You had some revelations about that. Yes, I had several revelations about that. It's funny. I mean, we did have winter break kind of off <laughs> you were like in 2020. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we weren't even that sick, but we were sick enough and it was very stressful because we all had COVID and we're po- anyway. So that didn't really count. That would have been like our first time off in a great deal of time. There was a policy in place at work during most of the pandemic where we like had to take one day of PTO every pay period. 
which I guess kind of counted, but it was like so in it, you know, it was once every other week. And it was so easy for work to end up crowding into that day anyway, that it just felt like, oh, I'm like, I'm using it all. And I'm not like getting any of the relaxation out of it. But now we're in another era. And that policy is, you know, it was for a reason, but it's it's no longer in place because we're very busy clinically when we're at work. And I finally scheduled some time and it was it was really amazing. It was only three days off of work, too. It was over Memorial. Well, four, I guess, because Monday counted as well. So it was over Memorial Day weekend. Josh and I, we did three days without the kids. So our nanny stayed from Wednesday to Friday. And it was so relaxing. <laughs> I think it was just enough time to really feel, I don't know, like we had left and like we could just breathe a little bit. I think one night wouldn't have quite cut it. And then we got back and then we had the three days off with the kids, which just felt so spacious. Like when you have a three-day weekend and you don't have to spend the second day of that weekend, like preparing for the week, not that Laura condones doing that in general, but sometimes there are just things that have to be done. It just was great. And we actually met up with family on that Sunday and had like a big brunch together. And it just felt so relaxing. And when I did go back to work on the Tuesday, I was like, I love work. Work is so fun. <laughs> work is great. I'm so efficient. Yay, <laughs> Yay a meeting. Yay, my, a lot of patience. Like everything just felt so much easier than it had the week prior. Every text I had been getting like the week before we left, I was like, oh, like, but then I realized like, no, 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 that's, it's not that everyone was so annoying. It was that I was finding everything annoying because I just really needed a break. So PSA, if you're able to take a break and it's been a while, do it. And you have to put it on the calendar. Like nobody is going to schedule your vacation for you. I mean, maybe they will if you're really, really lucky and maybe like a CEO and anyway, but probably not. And as Laura has pointed out, like September might look great. Oh, it's wide open. I can schedule it later. But if you don't schedule it now, it won't be wide open by the time you get there. So you actually have to like proactively look at your calendar and decide when you want to make this happen and make it happen on a regular basis. And at least I feel like I had to relearn that and it's very worth it. Yeah. Now I could use a break. <laughs> I should be proactive. It was, I mean, the th- we have vacations scheduled with the kids, but they aren't going to be relaxing. And I know that. And so I, I think what I need is some time away from the kids where I am not planning to work. I mean, because obviously I, every workday, I'm not with the kids <laughs> during the workday. But yeah, that would be great. Are you still breastfeeding? I am. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there because I have taken a few, I've traveled with the big kids um, over the course of the past few months. And so I know that I can do that and either just express or pump or whatever. You know, he's not drinking that much anymore. It's, you know, almost 18 months now. So, you know, it's just a little toddler. Although he's getting more aggressively into it now that I'm like trying to wean him. (laughs) So we'll see. (laughs) Oh dear. But no, I would like to go away or not even go away and be home without them. I, I, you know, I just, it, it's getting a little bit, I I've got some of that feeling. Like I think you were talking about that everything is irritating and I'm getting annoyed by everything. So probably I should take that advice and get some time off, but got to figure out how that's going to happen. If at any point you do feel ready to wean, I will say, so this was August of 2019. I purposefully I went away with my college girlfriends. We went to Toronto for like three days. It was wonderful. I didn't pump on purpose. I knew that that would probably kind of like finally make my supply go down. I think I got home and I nursed like one more time. But then like in subsequent times, it had dropped it. And she was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like the milk is not there. She was old enough. She was like asking for it with words. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she got it. I was kind of like, you know, I think it's I think it's gone. And that was actually kind of like a nice like ending. And it was it was very nice. I bet you just need 
some uninterrupted sleep. Well, there's that too. I would like, to, and I get that some nights. I mean, Michael and I trade off going, you know, go sleep in the guest room, right? And then he will be on with Henry and because Henry sleeps in the master bedroom closet <laughs> until we move. <laughs> but no, I don't know. Even just like an, I think a day, like a weekend day where I didn't have responsibilities for anyone would be, would be helpful. So we'll see. I think you can make it happen. All right. Well, we'll try. All right. Well, let's hear what Joan Dunlap has to say. I am so excited to welcome here Dr. Joan Dunlop, who is at Hopkins. And we had multiple requests for people who had a little bit unusual career trajectories or some time out of work. And we thought she would be perfect to have this discussion. Joan, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. My name is Joan Dunlop. I'm a pediatric allergist at Johns Hopkins. That's what I do for work. But the other parts of who I am, I'm mom to three kids, age 13, 12, and eight. And I'm married to a pastor, which is probably unusual for the listenership of this podcast. He's an associate pastor at a Southern Baptist church here in Washington, D.C. Wow, that is unusual. What a cool combination. I love that. Well, I am not going to talk much. I want you to tell our listeners the story of your somewhat unusual career trajectory through medicine. And I guess I will give the background that for most people, you kind of go to med school. A lot of times you're fresh out of college. So you're, you know, what, 22 years old when you start med school, then you start your fellowship at around 26, and maybe you're done with your residency at 26, and then maybe you're done with that at 29, 30, and maybe you do a fellowship, and then you're all done. That's kind of like typical, but some may notice that that does uh, interfere directly with the most common and healthy childbearing years. Absolutely. And so there may be other paths. So I will let you go ahead and talk about how it was for you and quite different. Yeah, great. Thanks, Sarah. So as Sarah mentioned, medicine, academic medicine in particular, is usually kind of it's presented as a really linear path. And one of the reasons I told Sarah and Laura that I was interested in coming on the podcast was because I'm really a big proponent of people making their own path and doing what works best for them and for their family. So I did the pretty typical thing as Sarah described. I went to college and then went on to medical school. In medical school, I actually started hopping off the path a little bit. I dipped my toe in the water. I took a year off in the middle of medical school. I got married in the middle of my third year of medical school, and took a year off to just try to see if continuing in medicine was going to work for my husband and I and our relationship and our career trajectories and what we wanted to do with our lives. The short story from that was we decided, yes, absolutely, we're going to finish medical school. And then I um, was a pediatric resident here at Johns Hopkins. I started in 2004. And that's also presented often as a straight shot career path. So you need to do your residency and then you need to decide right away what you want to do with the rest of your life. Do you want to specialize? Do you want to be a generalist? And I, uh, as Sarah mentioned, you know, you really finish residency around 29, which is kind of prime childbearing years. And I decided that I was going to hop off. And that was a huge, like, just a watershed moment in my life of deciding that even though I could go on, I was going to prioritize having children. And so I was going to take a job out of residency that would allow me to flex up or flex down um, for the needs of my family. So I took a job at at Children's National Medical Center, which is a hospital here in DC working in their emergency department. And I worked part-time. I flexed it up. I flexed it down. That year had my first child. And then a couple of years later had my second. 
And then my second son had significant medical needs. So Sarah and I could get all nerdy about it, but we'll try to keep it (laughs) non-medical. And his future just wasn't totally sure. We just didn't know what was going to be next for him. So I made the decision. Basically, he had a lot of therapies and appointments, and I wanted to be there for those. So I made the decision to pull way back with my work schedule and then eventually actually decided that I needed to step out altogether. That was incredibly difficult. I think a lot of us put a lot of our identity in what we do for work. And I think as doctors, we're guilty of being extra identified, closely identified with our work. And so it was a huge deal for me to decide that it wasn't the right time for my family for me to be in the workforce. So I left completely. And in this, I just see, I mean, God just totally opened a door for me because it was so kind. So I was home completely. My son had a bunch of surgeries, had a bunch of, uh, you know, lots of uh, weekly or biweekly therapy. And then Children's decided to open a satellite emergency department for a poor neighborhood here in DC, which is awesome because that was a neighborhood that really wasn't getting high quality care. But now they had to staff two emergency departments 24 seven. And they really, they were hiring a lot of new staff, but at some point they said, you know, we really want staff. We know staff. We already have confidence in who we trust. And so they reached out out to me and said, Hey, you know what? We really need someone. We would really like basically you to come back. And I said, well, I've got, you know, you know, I left because my son's medical needs. And they said, well, we'll take whatever hours you can give us. What can you give us? And I just decided to ask big. So I just said, I could do a weekday daytime shift, which as Sarah knows, is like a hot commodity, right? If you're working, if you're staffing a unit 24 seven to ask for a stay, oh, oh, and I want it the same weekday every week for babysitter. And that is like impossible to get when you're so junior. And they said, sure. Do you want Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday? (laughs) Fantastic. So then I ended up working that Thursday day shift gig basically for many years. So I did that for several years until I, so my second son did much better, started in a regular school. We had a daughter, our third child around that time. And so when all the kids were starting, we're back in, I should, I should back up. All the kids were either in school or getting ready to start school. And my husband and I were looking ahead. Okay, now we have a little bit more bandwidth. I've been doing this very part-time job for, uh, at that point, I had been out of residency for like six, six or seven years, which is you know unusual. Typically, your path is set by then. Um, and I said, I would like to go back and do more. What can I do? What should I do? What do I want to do? And so there were a lot of options out there, you know, with my, it's not like I was uneducated. So with my pediatric certification, I certainly could go join a general pediatrics practice. I could continue working in the emergency department. But the part of the story I didn't tell was in the interim, both of my boys, my older boys had been diagnosed with food allergies. And I realized that as a pediatrician, I actually had not gotten a ton of education in food allergies when I was a resident. I wasn't exposed a lot. It's very much an outpatient kind of disease. And so we didn't see a ton of it as residents. And I didn't have any personal interest. And long story short, a bunch of things worked together. I had been working with an asthma initiative based in our emergency department. So that's also in the allergy field. And I said, you know what? I am constantly reading about food allergy for my children. I think I can do this. I think I would like to contribute to figuring out why we have food allergies and why there's more of them and to work on therapies. So with that motivation in mind, I applied for pediatric fellowship training. 
So at this point, people are getting an application. It's a woman who's seven or eight years out of residency, so older than the typical candidate and an atypical sort of career path. I had stayed in. So I, you know, other than those six months when my second son had a lot of medical needs, I had always done something. So I can't say that I left completely for an extended length of time, but I did really scale down. So I was really thankful. Hopkins, you know, I was a resident there. So they basically were like, we're happy to take a risk on you. So I came back to fellowship training. How old was I? Goodness. <laughs> it's terrible, but I don't know. Anyway, I turned 40 as a, as a fellow. So uh, I think as a first year fellow and my kids were all in school and yeah, I got a master's in epidemiology while I was a fellow as well. It's a three-year fellowship and then stayed on on the faculty. So that's kind of where how I got to where I am now. And that's that's where I am today. So I, I work full-time at Hopkins as a pediatric allergy faculty member. And I teach fellows and um, medical students and residents. And I see patients. And I do a lot of research. That is, I mean, I think for those outside of medicine, it might be hard to appreciate how unusual that is. And also how easy you made it sound. (laughs) Whereas I have a feeling in the moment there was probably a lot of self-doubt or I mean, maybe not, but like, it's just such a different path. We do have to take a very quick break. And then I absolutely want to hear more about what was going through your head during that time. We are back. And so it sounds like you were completely out for about a year, about six months, something like that. About six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you went back in and it was only once a week for, for, for many years. Yes. And then, and then that personal experience, it's funny. If if your child had had diabetes, you'd probably be an endo like me and (laughs) (laughs) you'd be doing something else. Yeah. That is a huge part of what I think has really made it work, which is that my expertise at home and my expertise at work are in the same field. So everything I do at home influences what I do. So it's not like nine years and I didn't do anything related to allergy. Nine years, I was raising children who had food allergy and keeping them alive and understanding, you know, what are the difficult things about taking care of them. And so absolutely, I think that was really an amazing thing. I mean, of course, I wish my kids didn't have food allergies, but, you know, if they do, I'm glad I can be part of finding a solution. And when you chose to kind of take that step back and get the subspecialty training and put yourself in with peers who were probably, you know, up to a decade younger than Mm -hmm. you were, how did you process that? And I'm also curious, you know, just from a logistics standpoint, you've got like multiple kids and you're going back into training, but you only have a fellow salary. How did that play out? Great, great question. So first of all, about the age gap, I think I was a little nervous about that. But in the end, I think if you love to learn, the opportunity to be a learner is so fun. So that, you know, it wasn't a huge deal. It was lovely to basically be paid to learn, which is incredible. The other thing that really I think was helpful is in terms of the kids, I did wait for a good time when my children were already in school. So it was, it was the right time for our family. They were all. I actually planned it. I mean, as much as a person can plan, but all of the kids were going to be in the same school building, like all in the elementary school that we had already been going to for several years during the whole duration of my fellowship. 
So I knew the people at the school. My children were familiar with the school. There was going to be one drop off and one pickup, you know, I mean, to make multiple things work, it just wouldn't have worked. And the other thing you had mentioned about working uh, a salary difference. I mean, there is a huge salary difference. A fellow does not make a huge salary, as you know. However, I remember I had only been working one day a week, so I wasn't needing a ton of childcare. And yeah, so that made the fellow salary not a huge deal. Got it. You weren't paying for like three daycares or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My kids go to public school and that was a huge help. Oh, that's amazing. Were you able to moon? Did you moonlight in the ER during your fellowship you know or was what? that not was a thing? I was so tempted. I, you know, they were like, oh, come anytime, do a shift. It'll be great. And my my husband was like, remember, you know, like you're doing this huge thing. You're filling up all your time. Don't, you don't need to add on. So thankfully, financially, I didn't need to. You know, it certainly is an option. But also, I think I did take on a big thing. But knowing my limits, I think has also been really good. So what advice would you have? And I'm sure at Hopkins, you probably do. I hope you get to speak to the residents about, you know, thinking outside the box of mm-hmm. what is, I'm going to like ask all of mine to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so they can hear what's oh, I'd possible. I love to talk to your residents. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I love talking to, you know, again, I, I love promoting alternative pathways. And I would say, you know, one of the most important things is that making decisions about our work and our family life are not value neutral. Our values completely come into play when we make those choices. And sometimes people make it seem value neutral in that either they say, oh, you can do everything if you're just a little bit more organized or a little bit more together, you know, and that's not true. You you need to decide what matters to you. For me, my Christian faith is really important for identifying my values. And so that hugely drives, you know, what I value, how I want to spend my time. And then, you know, make your decisions from a place of your own values, not just, hey, everyone around me is seeming to, everyone's going to this next. You know, you really should pull up and ask, like, really? Do I really want to go to that next? I mean, you know, medical training is really designed originally for men, right? So hence the timeline, it made total sense. You could train, you could have a family and it's not wrong, but it, it doesn't fit. It didn't fit my timeline and what my family needed. And so I made some choices. It's a little bit risky and it thankfully worked out for me. So I'm here to say it worked out for me. But, you know, even if it didn't work out for me, I'm glad that I followed my values along the way because every, the path matters, not just the destination. So, you know, my training was really important. My fellowship time was really important. It wasn't just a means to an end. It also was an important time in and of itself relationships with coworkers, taking care of patients. And so if you can view it as all part of one journey where you want to go, then it's a lot easier to kind of march to your own drummer. But, you know, again, it's, it's hard to do. I mean, I think there's more of us who need to say, Hey, there's other options available. Go ahead, you know, look around, think about what works for you and make your own choices. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think I got goosebumps when you mentioned it's all one journey because it is. I mean, there is this temptation, whether you're in medical training or legal training or some sort of stepping stone to be like, well, I'm just getting past this part. But like, that is your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So there's, there's no one year that's like more, you know, sacred than another. They are all important. And right. to some extent, yes, there may be years that are more difficult or balanced one way or the other. But you do have to step back and think about what your values are, because if it's year after year after year of not living according to what they are. You don't get to do it again. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you probably know this too. Your kids are still real small. Your kids 
shift in what they need, you know, well, when they're really little, it's like every three months. Now that my kids are older, I would say like once a year, but I actually take time to go through what my priorities are, how I'm spending my time in this particular year, whether I think I need to readjust, like maybe one kid needs more time. Maybe, you know, I'm realizing this kid needs less time and this year is my year for really focusing on getting a certification or, you know, a particular educational goal. And so having those big planning sessions keeps me as well from just doing the thing that I feel like everyone around me is doing. I think you need to delve in a little bit more to those planning sessions. (laughs) You said something. (laughs) Yes, I know. I actually have a series of questions that I go through um, for myself where I think about how I'm prioritizing my time. And it's driven a lot, again, by my Christian faith. So like, how am I prioritizing my spiritual growth? How am I doing in loving people around me? How am I doing in loving my family? And I go through and the recognition is you can't do all of the things at any one time. Like when you have a small baby, you might not be prioritizing your physical health because, you know, you're getting up at night. You're not going to get up at four in the morning and like, well, some people will, but I will not go for a big run. And so it's okay to say, hey, I'm very consciously in this season of life going to dial way back on one thing because I see that I'm dialed way up on another. And that is a huge help because it's not just not just thinking about, oh, I'm not doing this or that, but thinking about, okay, where am I spending my time? And is that the best place to spend my time right now, given who my kids are, who my husband is, you know, what my personal interests are, what our situation is. And it's so good to stop and look at that because otherwise you either end up on one side, which is trying to do everything and feeling like you're failing all over the place, or just doing what's right in front of you because it's there and then not realizing that you're kind of missing the best way to spend your time. And I think you're so right what you pointed out. When you are like consciously neglecting an area, it feels very different than when you're like, well, I should, but I can't, but I kind of want. It's. I think that's really, really important. And it's kind of aligned with how Laura talks about like not making your to-do list too long. Like if you put 10 things on there, it is going to set you up to have a bad day. But if you put three (laughs) things on there and actually do them, you will feel success. Do you actually block out time in your schedule to have these sessions? Yes. How do you remember to do it? Yeah. So when the kids were younger, um, I did it probably quarterly and I would just go to a coffee shop for morning. And like my husband knows, like the kids are, you know, the kids are his. As they've gotten older, I do it a about, like I mentioned, once or twice a year. So I'll try to do it if we're on vacation or just take a a morning. Every now and then I just take like a day away. And that's fantastic and super fun. And I'll do that. I love that. Well, tell our listeners a little bit how you make the pieces fit together right now. Like what is a week in your life? I don't want to say a day because I'm sure you're like have very clinical days and very researchy days and it probably varies. Well, and this year with COVID, I think we can all agree that every I would say, that, well, first of all, every day, every week has been different, which could they could two just be the same. Like I'm, I'm kind of worn out of all the change. But the other thing I would say is this year has been unsustainable. And I'm totally glad to say that. I mean, I think it's a help to people to hear that. You know, if we had had the foresight to know that our children would be learning from home and have weird restrictions on their activities and social friendships. I probably wouldn't have signed on to be a full-time, you know, medical school faculty member. So I'm trying to remember that this, you know, this year has been a lot of falling apart. Oh, so one of the main ways that I, I think I've made things work is by really forming a village around myself. 
So that includes, you know, a real strong network of friends, neighbors, stay-at-home moms, my parents have been incredibly helpful. Um, I actually, when I started this path, I actually reached out to my parents first and I said, listen, if I'm going to do this allergy thing, I'm not going to be able to do it alone. I'm going to need a lot of help. And I don't want you guys to feel like you have to help me if you don't think this is a, a good idea. You know, I really wanted, I was really soliciting their feedback and they were super enthusiastic. And in fact, they were just here last month and did, uh, because my older boys who are in middle school have the worst possible hybrid learning schedule known to man, I'd just like to say it's a half day in person and a half day virtual four days a week. And you're supposed to get to a front. Yeah. It's, and I, we live in DC. We go to an, a, it's a citywide school. So they get kids from all over the city. So they're, they're, it's not close to us. So my wonderful parents came and my dad really just served as chauffeur. He just drove the boys around and I was so thankful for that. So the village is a huge part of how I make it work. Synergy is another thing which we talked about. So my work influences my home. My home life influences my work. When I go to the grocery store and I read food labels because my kids have food allergies, I uh, once took a, I was on call and I took a phone call while I was walking to the parking garage. It was a mom who said her kid had gotten a cookie at daycare and he was having some sort of reaction. And I said, oh, well, what kind of cookie? She's like, it's a Nilla wafer. I said, okay, well, those contain egg. And, he, you know, and like, that's one of his allergens. You know, I know that because you can't buy Nilla wafers for my egg allergic kids. So there's a ton of synergy, which is fantastic. And then I think picking the right time is huge. So there, like, as we alluded to, there are some phases of life where it's just really difficult. Like, I can't imagine if I was the mom of young children, like, like newborns that aren't sleeping. And I was trying to use my brain cells to generate research thoughts. I just don't think that I can get tasks done when I'm tired, but I can't like think creatively and be really original. And so, you know, I, I really feel like I, I got the right time for my family and that doesn't work for everyone, but I was really fortunate. And yeah, you just, you end up also with a lot of efficiencies. I'm sure we all have like the small hacks that, um, <laughs> that we work out. Can you think of one? I'm now I'm putting you on the spot. Can oh, you think no. of one to share like okay. off the top of your head? Okay. So one, a product thing that I like is I'm a huge fan of the Dagny Dover totes because they have like a gajillion pockets for things like your laptop and, and really like, and a key leash because I don't have time to look for my keys and I'm going to lose my keys all the time. And my kids know I lose my phone constantly and they're, they're always helping me find it. And then that final thing is actually, I think to think of some Remember the advantages that you bring from coming from an alternative path. Sometimes I think people are like, oh, I've been out of the workforce, you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm like kind of skulking back in. Like, no, you are a mom. You know how to work in an office situation. You know how to handle conflict. You know how to organize things and make quick decisions. I mean, those are, those are skills that are so valuable, certainly in academic medicine, but really anywhere else. I mean, you know, the level-headedness of a mom of like, okay, someone had a huge spill of their juice all over the car. We're going to drive safely. And then we're going to like prioritize when we're going to clean that up. Like, you know, that just kind of like, you're not going to freak out. You're not going to scream. You're going to think about what needs to be done and make a plan. And that kind of attitude is so valuable in any workplace. You know, if you know how to get along and get things done, I think that's incredibly valuable. So know that you bring that because that's an incredible gift that you can bring to the workplace. That's so funny. I'm just thinking about how like my most chaotic call day is still like much calmer than like one solo parenting weekend. <laughs> like 
could totally. My husband used to laugh at me because when the kids were really little and I worked in the pediatric ER, he said, it's a picture of how stressful parenting small children is that you are going to an urban emergency department to continue working with children because that's like your, your restful day. Relaxing day in the emergency yeah, room. <laughs> you know, at least those emergencies are their staff. But no one's calling me mommy. That's amazing. Well, you have listened to Best of Both Worlds. Yes. So you know we like to get our love of the week from our guests. And I'm going to be unoriginal because I'm kind of like looking at what's on my desk right now. And I, I don't feel like I've given... Okay, this is going to be a dual love of the week. Ooh. First of all, these are Tombow Play Color Dot Pens. And I don't like the dot part at all, actually. It's very smudgy and I can never make the dot straight. So that part's not a love. But they have a fine tip on the other end that is like my new favorite fine tip pen. Like they're super, I don't know, like precise. And I like them better than, I'm like a big pen nerd, as you know. Yeah. I like them better than the Stetler Fine Liners. Oh. I like them better than the Flares. And this is a dual of the week because I order them from a small online shop called HoneyPress.nc, which is based near my sister, actually, in North Carolina. And they sell... Japanese and Korean, basically all different Asian stationary products and uh, with kind of like a little bit of a Southern, she has a little Southern vibe going since it's North Carolina and it's just a great online shop. So you should check it out, but you should order these pens <laughs> if you like fine things. But I don't know if someone can master the, the dot the part dot. I'm showing you. I, 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 I feel like but. the dot would be good for those bullet journalers. Yeah. I mean, I do that kind of planning, but I can't, I just, I don't, I don't have the skill. I like can't get it to be like even. And then it also has a lot of bleed. I, I'm very picky. It's, yeah. it's cool. That's all right. Okay. My love of the week. I've been actually planning for this because I know you always ask. So my love of the week are these books called 101 Things to Do on a Rainy Day. There's also one called 101 Things to Do Outside. And the author is Dawn Isaac, I-S-A-A-C. My daughter, my eight-year-old daughter found them early during COVID because she was reading the Ramona books and... Jesus is always reading some book called 202 Things to Do. And so she said, Mommy, is that a real book? So I don't know, but let's look. So we found this book at the library and we loved it so much. And it's been such a great thing during COVID. My daughter will flip through on her own and get ideas. And then we've done a bunch of the activities and she's excited to do a bunch more this summer. Well, that sounds so perfect for my nine-year-old that I am going to immediately after this, go to my library, hold website yes. and preserve it. <laughs> Absolutely. Have fun doing it. <laughs> I will. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I, one of my favorite interviews, honestly. So I really am going to suggest my residents check it out. Although yeah. I don't know that they have, they know I have a podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> I guess they'll know now. So thank you so much You're for welcome. doing this. It was wonderful. And tell our listeners where they can find you if there are any avenues. You know what? You really can't. I mean, other, unless you read the academic allergy literature, in which case, you know, I publish under J.H. Well, Dunlop. Some of them do. <laughs> Or you can find my husband because he's a pastor and he's written some books, actually. He's Jamie Dunlop and he's written a, a book about church budgets and church community. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Well, that was great. Thanks for that interview, Sarah. So uh, instead of doing a normal question and answer today, we wanted to actually share a follow up from somebody who had sent in a question to us uh, previously. This listener had asked for a work-from-home arrangement back in the Stone Ages of work-from-home, which was 2019, and had been told, no, oh no, that will never work for us. Our organization can't possibly work remotely. 
Fast forward, of course, and 2020, her organization, like every other one of this sort, um, did have to go remote. They did not fall apart. It turned out that they could work remotely. Anyway, she wrote back. Did you want to do you want to share what she she wrote to us? Yeah. And this is all nice and anonymous. We don't have company names. So I'm going to read it pretty much. And by the way, when you send us feedback about our, you know, our responses, it is so much fun. So if we ever answer your question, please let us know if the, you know, our advice worked or, or not or anything like that. All right. So she writes, hi, Laura and Sarah. I was thinking about our email exchange from 2019 and wanted to give you an update. You asked, answer my question about an employer who was restrictive on work from home on your podcast back then. Obviously, with COVID, the work from home world has changed. From March 2020 to April 2021, the same employer did an about face and I was full time work from home. When they go back to the office, hybrid work from home will be available with two days from home, three days in the office. But I learned that I love working from home so much that I found another job in my industry and a huge career upgrade at that. As of last month, I took a full-time remote position as a consultant with headquarters several hours from home. This person will go to headquarters when necessary a few times a year, but otherwise will be in her home office. The new job also came with, wait for it, a 30% pay increase. It's her own version of the best of both worlds. She writes, the world is changing and all the better for working moms. Thank you both for the content you produce. It's a lifeline for moms like me. Aw. Yay. That made us so happy. That that made us very happy. And I I love follow-ups like this. And I also want to say that, hello, original company. (laughs) Like, you could have probably kept her if you let her work from home full time and gave her a raise. But, you know, since that didn't happen, I'm glad that she found another organization that was willing to make the appropriate steps to lure her over there and uh, give her the job she wanted at a pay rate that was good for her. So congrats to our listener. And I also just want to call attention to this because often we think about jobs in terms of trade-offs. Like, oh, if I want flexibility, I'm going to have to give up X. Like, I won't be able to find a job that I love, is flexible, and pays a lot. Like, I'll have to give up one of those things. Like, okay, maybe. But the thing is, careers and jobs aren't like money where every dollar is exactly the same as every other dollar. Like there's there's a certain efficiency in markets that there isn't in the job market because people aren't like that, right? So when you are looking for a job, you found one that was available around where you were, you know, at the time you were looking with an organization that you knew about. Now, any of those things is limiting it in a way that if you had all the information available, wouldn't have been the case. And so what that means is that most people have not absolutely optimized in terms of their jobs. So in a more simple terms, like if you don't like your current job, it is always possible that you will like a better paying one better. Like it's not that you're going to have to trade off one of those things necessarily. So make sure that you aren't just settling because you assume you will have to trade off. Cast a broader net, keep looking, network a lot. The odds are good that you haven't optimized on one dimension, which means that it's possible you'll be able to go up on multiple dimensions with your next move. Love that. Wonderful advice. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. Sarah interviewed Dr. Joan Dunlap about her career. We will be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Music
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.